chat, challenge, leave things better. This is Webademic, a semi-regular broadcast about the way the web is changing our lives, why we should care, and how we can act together for good. This is episode six with your host, Jeff Sage. Kate Dubinsky is a multimedia journalist with the London Free Press. She is a general assignment reporter, but her stories focus primarily on technology, social media, and digital trends that are changing how we communicate. Kate has worked at the Free Press for seven years. She was born in Warsaw, Poland, and raised in London, Ontario. Kate Dubinsky, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jeff. So we're thrilled to have you on the show, Kate. Um, we're big fans of your work. We're going to do a good news show and make it popular at the same time. And we think you do a tremendous service in the community, giving sort of a mainstream voice to a largely digital and, uh, dare I say, counterculture side to a historically traditional community. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Given the sort of technological revolution that's happening all around us, how has that impacted your job and how do you think it's impacted journalism? Well, it's completely changed my job. Uh, So when I started uh, as an intern at the Free Press, there was, you know, we were emailing, we were, uh, we had a website, but we weren't uh, tweeting. I don't think we were really using, we weren't using Facebook. We had one um, computer in the newsroom that was able to access Facebook and we all took turns using it every once in a while. Um, So now everything I do uh, is done with uh, Twitter and social media in mind, um, as well as other digital things like video, right? So I, uh, when I go out mm-hmm. to a story now, I, um, I'm on my BlackBerry tweeting. I'm taking notes for uh, what will eventually become the print story. I'm taking a video of um, whatever's going on to eventually take back to the newsroom so it can be edited and posted online. Uh, so it's given uh, everyone, and we're no longer reporters and photographers. We're now multimedia journalists. So it's definitely changed wow. everything. Woodward, Bernstein, you're both on the story now. Don't f*** it up. We'll get, uh, we'll get to pick on print a little bit later. I thought it was <laughs> too easy to target to start with. But <laughs> you wrote a piece recently on um, the rise of citizen journalism and how you think that journalists are sort of safe or insulated because they deliver context and verification where within a story where citizen journalists can't. Tell us a little bit more about your position on that. Well, I just think that, um, it's funny, am I safe? I don't know. Did I say I was safe? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to think I'm safe. I think that, uh, I think the, the role of the journalist hasn't changed that much in that we, um, if, like at the simplest level, we're aggregators of information, right? So mm-hmm. um, I might write about the four different blogs that people write about uh, city council, and those come from different political beliefs. But my job is to sort of, as objectively as I can, talk about them. Um, so uh, at, plus I have editors that will, um, you know, there's always at least two or three pairs of eyes that look at my stuff and uh, inevitably, they will catch mistakes like in proofreading, but they also think, you know, oh, we didn't get this side of the story, or we didn't think about this, um, and that also gets uh, represented in the print and the videos and stuff. So I think that um, 
that's the important part of journalism, that there's verification and that there's uh, at least attempts to get as many sides of the story as possible, whereas citizen journalists don't really have to do that because they're in the moment and they report on um, what they see and then the quote-unquote mainstream journalists take a step back and say, okay, what does that mean? Why are we, why is this happening? So that's, that's what I think my role is. And I think, yeah, hopefully I'm still safe. <laughs> so let me push back on one of those points. So the, the context and verification, isn't, doesn't these new platforms like, I guess they're not that new anymore, but Facebook and Twitter, doesn't that give a story a chance by the notion that it's reported on by a group of people rather than one person, almost give it additional context and additional verification. I know, it, like, personally, if I put something out and it's wrong, it's, mm -hmm. you know, a fraction of a second before there's 100 people jumping down your throat saying, hey, this is wrong. Or even even more importantly, hey, this is how I think you might be able to improve on, on your idea or the way that you've kind of approached this story. Do you think mm -hmm. that technology is sort of bringing us to a better spot with respect to context and verification in that sense, or that's going in the wrong direction? No, I absolutely, absolutely agree. You know, there, I can, I, countless times where I've posted a story online and someone emails me, uh, has read the story, it's about them, and they say, you've spelled my name wrong, or I didn't actually, um, I won't change quotes, but you know, if they've said, you kind of got this wrong, or you said that this mosquito is the vector, but it's actually this other mosquito. So I think that there's absolutely sort of that crowdsourcing type of um, context and verification. Um, and, and so it improves what I do and the product that eventually gets out there. But I think the difference between what you are writing and what I'm writing is that I don't necessarily, um, I don't know where you're coming from, and I don't necessarily mm -hmm. trust you to give me the full story. So you're telling me what Jeff Sage thinks, right? Because a lot of citizen journalism is sort of opinion-based. Um, nobody wants that. Pardon? What Jeff Sage, nobody wants that, what Jeff Sage thinks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, maybe they do, but, I, but you also want to know what Gina Barber thinks or what whoever else thinks. Yeah. And, um, politicians, so, city officials. Politicians, yeah. So am I going to trust what a politician tells me about whatever program? Maybe, but I'll probably call the other side, and that's my job, right, is to give you the context of how that everyone's got their own personal agenda. Due diligence so think, in, yeah. in traditional journalism is alive and well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so that's, that's my opinion on that. The decline, the newspaper business, the, the print business, I guess, better put, mm -hmm has declined in North America dramatically over the last few years. What's your take on why the decline, the decline of circulation and what things do you think we could do to fix it? Uh, if I knew that, <laughs> I'd be running <laughs> Quebec or, um, I think, well, I think, first of all, I think it's declined partly be, because everything is sort of, uh, immediate, right? So you're, so we the newspaper has to change, I think, and we have been slowly changing. So where at the free press you get five versions of a story as it progresses throughout the day, the one that you'll get in the newspaper the next morning is more of a um, context and more of an analysis of what's going on. So I think that that, ha and we have to be 
uh, I think, better at doing that in print. Um, so that we're giving you the news that you want online and up to the minute and immediate, but we're also giving you the the why and why do I why should I care, um, which I think that newspapers have been good at doing anyway. We just have to get better at doing it um, because that is going to be a lot of what we do in the actual print edition. Um, I think that I don't know. Will there be newspapers in the future? I don't know. There will be at least until the baby boomers are dead <laughs> and then after that who knows right but I mean I, I don't I don't know if you get a paper I get a paper and I certainly like reading the paper on a Saturday morning and I'm in my early 30s and my husband and I sit around on the porch on a Saturday morning and read three newspapers we don't I read it online too but I read the hard copy so I don't know I think that there's maybe it'll be a bit more of a niche market um, but I yeah, think I, still be around. I agree. I have to admit, on Saturday morning, and we've been railing against print and how it's dying for the last mm-hmm. kind of two years and jumping on that on that bagwagon. And to some extent, I think it's true. But admittedly, Saturday morning, the, the coolest thing that we do is kind of sit around. I sit around with my wife and we read the Globe and Mail kind of cover yeah. cover. And our kids are playing yeah. around us and we're just hanging outside. And it's it's magnificent. Yeah, and your uh, kids are what it is seeing about you read and all that kind that of stuff. That sort of tactile, it, it's enjoyable. I have to admit mm-hmm. it's enjoyable. For sure. So, but does, not the, to some not extent... Not the free press or the Globe and Mail? Just the Globe and Mail or do you read the free press? Free press and the Globe and Mail, of course. Excellent. I thought Excellent. that was implied. Excellent. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent, we sort of have to... What am I trying to say here? To some extent, we kind of have to make print beside the point. You know, of course, it's it's not sort of the manufacturing and distribution we should care about preserving and advancing. It's, it's really the journalism. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we make sure that we do that? Um, well, um, I think we keep doing what we've done, which is, you know, at Western we have a journalism school and we teach um, students how to be critical and how to um, write in you know, for whatever medium that they're specializing in, I guess. Um, So all those really important journalism skills, I think, are going to become even more important because they're going to differentiate um, the quote-unquote real journalist from the citizen journalist. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what I think. I think you just have to keep making sure that J-schools are pumping out students who know how to be critical thinkers and know how to research and know how to, um, you know, not just go on Twitter and report the first thing that they see and um, make sure they know how to, you know, uh, use sources and find sources for things. So, Do do you know if, since, for example, when you graduated, do you know if they're actually training journalists sort of on the new media landscape and how to use it to to make their, uh, to, to just improve the execution of journalism overall or I think some of them are there's not that many journalism schools in Canada like there's only about four I think four or five um Mm -hmm. so I think some of them are doing it better than others but I know that they're definitely it's something that is forefront you know academia kind of takes a little bit long to uh, to change, um, but I think that it's something that they are. I know Western has. I, I've talked to some people at Western who are really trying to push 
that and to and surprisingly profs say that the students coming in don't know that much about you know twitter and how that can help them be a journalist or facebook and how that can help them be a journalist they know about twitter and facebook maybe for their own personal stuff that they've kind of grown up with but they don't know how to use it as a as a tool of the trade so to speak so there's definitely mm-hmm. you know they're not coming in like knowing exactly what to do they they still need to be trained so sort of as a as a uh, a participant in the new media landscape uh, locally and uh, where you typically tend to cover your stories for all of I, I'm noticing tremendous change in, in communities and how we talk about issues and, and all of that stuff. And I don't obviously mm-hmm. attribute all of that change to a social platform, but it seems that for all social media's ability to to get us all thinking and participating globally, social networks almost seem to have the best chance to force change where its power is concentrated locally. Mm. You know, so, so for example, I was reading this um article the other day i don't know where but there was this girl in in uh public school like grade school and she was photo blogging her lunches and then she rated how healthy they were right yeah, and, like, yeah. the board freaked out because they're terrible and and yeah. anyway they ended up it changed you know the menu and the, and the lunches got healthier and at the same time we have like WikiLeaks and julian assange is mm-hmm. you know trying not to be extradited in the occupy movement is yeah. you know and, and there's been global revolution but i don't think that the changes that seem to take hold uh, in a meaningful way seem to be more locally concentrated. Do you notice that too in in covering the the local beat here in London? I do, but I don't know. I'm always a little hesitant because I don't know how much of it is um, because I'm in it all the time. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, how many people in London are actually on Twitter? I don't know. The ones that are, are super engaged and they're trying to affect change. Are those the same people that would have called into Jim Chapman's radio program 20 years ago? Um, uh, you know, like, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so they're, I, well, they're younger probably than the, than the people that would have called into his show. But um, I yeah. just, it, it's tough to, to, I don't know, I, to be honest, the answer to your question. I think that it's a great tool for affecting change locally. But I think... Um, just because I think you can organize and it, it, it's quick and um, instantaneous. So just by its very definition, you know, you can't say, let's do a, a demonstration in Egypt when you're in Canada, right? But you can say, let's do a demonstration in Victoria Park, get whoever's, you know, seeing uh, your social feeds uh, to go down there and then they can text their friends and whatever. So it's very easy to sort of yeah. organize um, on like a physical level, Um but how many people? But I don't know how many people are actually on. I think Twitter is this amazing thing, and everybody's on it. But then I talk to people, and most of the people in my life are not on Twitter Art. and don't have any. Are not no, and they are don't have any use for it. I think that Twitter is sort of one of those things. Twitter especially is one of those things that you, um, you know, in order to sort of grasp the the usefulness of it, you almost have to be sitting on a desk all day or on your phone all day seeing all the feeds mm-hmm. because if you blink, you miss it. So um, how important it is, I think it's important for a certain sector of the population, um, especially the media, but how important it is to the lives of like regular Londoners, I don't know. If you, if, Did that answer say, for your example, question? If, yeah. 
No, absolutely. And it, it brought up an, a really important point about context and how we need to keep in mind that not everybody is in these spaces. Wh- yeah, which made not even think close if, to everybody. If, yeah. Not even close, no, the minority, if anything, you think? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So if we did have, say, 80% of the population involved you know, on a regular basis on a social platform, do, do you think that would improve the quality of journalism? It's interesting because I think the more people are um, involved, the more I think that the the conversation sort of devolves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think the more that people, um, you know, comment on our website, the more the, the like trolly sort of comments and the negative comments Mm -hmm. increase just because you're drawing from a larger pool of people who, um, do you know what I mean? So I think, and the more people that get on Twitter, that get on Facebook, are they're able to sort of vent their rage. Um, what when was your whiskey, question? When, when yeah. Whiskey Jeff decides to go and put 50 comments in a row on... Yeah, yeah exactly. So on a if blog or on the Freep site because they've been pent up for yeah. like six months. Yeah. Not a good idea. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you know so, who knows maybe if 80% maybe the if 80% of people were on it then it would sort of police itself and whiskey jeff would interesting get told to go back to drinking what he whiskey. deserves what he <laughs> yeah. deserves we're seeing examples uh of these kind of pseudo celebs getting themselves in trouble on the twitterverse that's nothing new the olympics probably the most recent example and we also see some battles in our in our local Twitter or Twitter uh, sphere. Mm-hmm. How, in your observation, has the technology changed our behaviors, and how how do people like and how people like you sort of report on these stories, or or has it had an impact at all? No, it's definitely. I mean, it, it's it, it's definitely it does have an impact. I think that it you're when you're anonymous or you're sort of anonymous, like you are on comments on the free press website, you're more likely to sort of bang out a comment and press enter and not really care about the consequences. Um, Twitter is a little bit less like that because you're more likely to be using your real name. But as we've seen in the last couple of days, there's definitely Twitter wars that happen and, you know, negative things get said and mean things get said and people get offended and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's definitely a, um, tough to think about reporting on that kind of stuff because while maybe people care about whether or not Justin Bieber says something bad on Twitter, do people really care about what a guy that works in an office downtown says on Twitter, right? It, that's where I think it's important to take a step back and think, okay, I, I might be interested in following this crazy Twitter fight and it might be interesting to me and I might get really invested in it even if it has to do with me but I but the the vast majority of our readers don't care about that kind of stuff it's interesting that you said Justin Bieber he's actually uh the next guest on the show for next week (laughs) nice you're uh you might have more (laughs) than just Lindsay listening that that week (laughs) so last one the 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 media landscape has changed from a marketing perspective anyway. That's the space that we live in has changed more in the last 24 months, probably than it has in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Any, any last advice for our listeners on how they 
make use of these new technologies while keeping a positive relationship with traditional mediums that remain very much an important part of the marketing mix for, for these businesses and these citizens? For, for a specifically for like for marketing and PR people? Yeah. Um, good question. Because um, they're your fa- I, obviously your favorite group. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, to be honest, Jeff. I think that um, I, I think there's a, a certain amount of respect that so far has um, has maintained itself on places like Twitter and Facebook. So I think it's kind of neat where. Um, I th- I don't. To be honest, I don't think PR and marketing people are using um, Twitter correctly a lot of the time. Um, so they're mm-hmm. sending out um, press releases or something. Whereas most of the stories that I find from Twitter are people that make offhand remarks um, mm-hmm. that I thought that kind of um, you know speak to me. So um, I'm way less likely to respond to a, a a sort of official press release sent like that than I am. Mm-hmm. to someone sort of just saying something, which I think that PR and marketing companies can do really easily. They, like, they use it almost too business-like. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think Twitter and I Facebook do. don't forget to be Don't forget to be human. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget to be human. And don't... But then at the same time, don't inundate my my direct message box with your with what you want right like i'll see it and so just chill out and let me if it's interesting i'll get back to you Mm -hmm. kate i'm so glad we got a chance to connect thanks very much for uh making time today very much appreciate it thank you it's been fun tell our listeners uh where they can connect with you online sure thanks jeff uh so on twitter i'm at kate at lf press Online on my blog is blogs.canoe.ca slash tangledweb, and that can be found uh, also through the lfpress.com. And I'm also on Facebook, and that is facebook.com slash kdubinski. It's a picture of little newspapers. A special thanks to our guest, Kate Dubinsky. Her bio and links to her work can be found in the show notes section at webademic.org.